Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 34, verses 15 through 22. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and her ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. She keeps all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of her servants. None of those who take refuge in her will be condemned. Joshua chapter 22, verses 10 through 20. When they came to the region near the Jordan that lies in the land of Canaan, The Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of great size. The Israelites heard that the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region near the Jordan, on the side that belongs to the Israelites. And when the people of Israel heard of it, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Then the Israelites sent the priest Phinehas, son of Eleazar, to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. They came to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, and said to them, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this treachery that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar today in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough of of the sin at Peor from which even yet we had not cleansed ourselves and for which a plague came upon the congregation of the Lord that you must turn away from the following of the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, you will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel tomorrow. But now, if your land is unclean, Cross over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle now stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, or rebel against us by building yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, son of Zerah, break faith in the matter of the devoted things, and wrath fell upon the congregation of Israel? And he did not perish alone for his iniquity. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not reveling in drunken, not in reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires.
Good morning and welcome to the 11th Friday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 34, Joshua 22, and Romans 13. And yesterday we spoke about the armor of God and for a moment, because we read Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, among the rest of five, but um, here in Romans 13 we have this brief kind of callback by Paul to the idea of armor when he talks about putting on the armor of light, um, which would require that the Romans lay aside the works of darkness. In Thessalonians, putting on the armor of God was about sobriety, let us be sober. Um, And in Ephesians, it's about firmness, um, the whole armor of God so that you may stand firm against the wiles of the enemy. And uh, it's all it's all metaphor. Um, it's discussing this, you know, warfare um, on the spiritual plane. You know, the works of darkness and drunkenness or sobriety, and finally, firmness is not about some physical victory against flesh and blood. It's about girding your own loins against um, the spiritual battle that takes place in our hearts and minds and uh, in and between the hearts and minds of others as well. Um, And that's important because this um, passage from Joshua gives us a glimpse of what happens, uh, the spiritual combat that's necessary, that's called for, and that we are expected to undertake. Um, Two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and um, Manasseh, uh, were build, they built an altar. And part of it is that they had um, land really far away from the rest of Israel, and so um, they had kind of fallen into <clears throat> the temptation of, of glorifying themselves or glorifying other gods. And it's still in the book of Joshua, so it's, it's still a story about Israel's obedience rather than Israel's fall and corruption in Judges. Um, and so they build this altar, and when they do, the other Israelites gather, or they assemble, and they prepare to go to war against their own people. Uh, and what they say is important. This is treachery. You are, um, you are betraying not just our God, but us. You're betraying our relationship with you and our relationship as a whole with God. Um, you're turning away from God. Don't And they they use this as an example. This um, The very first time when they crossed the Jordan and set up an altar there and were circumcised and all this um, uh, hoo-ha and dog and pony show, um, one person among many took things that were devoted to God, violated God, God's decrees, and for that one person, in their next engagement um, in I, uh, the people failed, and 35 Israelites were killed, or 36 or something. Um, and so they died, and then Akan and his entire family died as well. He did not perish alone. Um, and so they recognize, um, you know, uh, they're they're sober to the fact that if even 
a few of us do something wrong, many of us might perish. It's called collective punishment. Uh, It's considered uh, a crime against humanity or a war crime or something by the UN, Um, but they do it all the time in basic training. If one person screws up, the whole platoon has to do push-ups. And what that does is it it forces a group to collectivize um, one way or another, binding together through camaraderie or, um, you know, reluctantly through, you know, treaties and alliances, basically. Um, but the, the problem is that this is, I mean, this is kind of what it means to be a community. Um, and sometimes it requires force. You know, not everybody in a, uh, a, a basic training platoon gets along. Um, and so you have to, you have to create something, uh, from nothing, from, you know, various, you know, all kinds of like diverse attitudes, behaviors, interests, desires, motivations. You have to create a, a cohesive unit. Um, and uh, drill sergeants and drill instructors know this. They've been doing it for ages. Um, and as the recruits, you can either fall in line and, and you know, you know, you, I'm I'm sure that there's, you know, puppies and sunshine where a a boot camp platoon is like, yeah, we're all going to do do this together, and they, you know, they, you know, collectively just kind of come together and overlook all our differences, whatever. More often than not, um, the the relationships that are formed under stress remain under stress. I still remember this one guy. I think his name is Herzog. Uh, that's all I should say. He, we just did not get along. And uh, he loved to take every opportunity he could uh, to say something or do something that would piss me off or interfere with whatever. But whenever, you know, whenever our our collective success was on the line, I never heard a whisper from him. It was only, you know, on fire guard or that uh, when we were at Chow or something like that where he'd just do something stupid or whatever, make some comment. Um, and so relationships formed under stress often remain under stress. Um, but we see in Joshua the building up this long, slow process, which includes some collective punishment, um, pretty severe collective punishment, frankly. Um, the slow building up of the process of, of creating a cohesive unit um, such that when some of them decide that they're going to do something they know they're not supposed to do, that the rest of them, the rest of the people um, engage with them, ready to do battle. Um, they uh, gather, they, the whole assembly gathered at Shiloh to make war against their own people um, because those are the stakes. Uh, spiritual combat might um, erupt into physical combat uh, when uh, the spiritual, you know, tactics and everything else fail. Here, we don't get the conclusion, um, but we can assume uh, that uh, the the Gadites and the Reubenites and the, and the tribe of Manasseh, um, we can hope that they were compelled. I think they were. I'm pretty sure Joshua's pretty um, rosy view of the people compared to Judges. Um, but spiritual combat, this preparing for war, 
and using you know what you know political scientists would call like soft power um i think we can assume and we can certainly hope that it was effective um that was you know it shows a, a spiritual battle that occurred didn't occur on the physical plane but it could have it could have devolved to that um rather the people um had the armor of light and the armor of god with that pr- promotes um sobriety and firmness um and wisdom and solomon and zeal and uh, all kinds of other things but um we don't i we kind of like spiritualized spiritual combat um which sounds weird and i think there's a lot of ways to talk about spiritual combat that are kind of trite and uh superficial um but that doesn't mean that it doesn't occur and that it doesn't need to be you know undertaken um there's uh, a book that i really would love to translate from french or have translated from french um and it's essentially Martin of Tours and Spiritual Combat. I picked it up in, in tour uh, several years ago when I was on pilgrimage. And Martin of Tours knew that there was spiritual combat. Um, it's those relationships, the power that you wield within them, um, and the power that you wield over your own flesh and, um, you know, Paul would say carnal desires. The things that you want that you know aren't fair. Um, spiritual combat uh, when undertaken against yourself internally, um, remind is you know acts to suppress selfish desires, but it's also spiritual combat is also something that you engage in with others, whether you call it soft power, whether you you know you're a cynic and you call it manipulation. Um, these are are just as real and important as physical battle um, to to affect the outcomes that we desire because it's. Spiritual combat is nonviolent. Um, spiritual combat is um, heavy on relationship and community. Um, and there's many different ways to engage in spiritual combat. Um, but And we see one, uh, one example here in Joshua this morning when the people um, collectively came together and um, convinced themselves to do the right thing before finally um, coming to blows. A prayer for the whole human family, adapted from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you made us in your image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us, unite us in bonds of love, and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all cultures and genders may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. 
Instructions will be provided and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.